Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 3, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. If you have been with us, we talked about the ministry of John the Baptist, and we talked about that John was the forerunner. John was the road builder for the coming Messiah. Today, we are going to look at one of the most monumental, mysterious, spiritual battles of all time. It's the personal confrontation between Jesus Christ and Satan himself. And by the time you leave the day, listen, you're going to know how to do battle with the devil. You're going to know how to overcome temptation. I don't know about you, but I want to know how to overcome temptation. We all need to know how to overcome temptation because we're all tempted at some point. I don't care how spiritual you think you are. You know, some folks think they get to be so spiritual. People will teach you this, that you can get to the place where you are so holy, where you are so spiritual, that you are above sinning. I'm like, who are these people? I've never met one. We all need to know how to overcome temptation, and thus, the title of my sermon, wasn't that easy? (laughs) How to overcome temptation. So this morning, we're going to pick up uh, Luke chapter 3. If you need a Bible, you raise your hand. Raise your hand. You need a Bible? Everybody got a Bible? Luke chapter 3, we're going to pick up in verse 21. Luke 3, verse 21, if you're looking at it, say amen. amen. When all the people were baptized... It came to pass that Jesus also was what? And while he prayed, the heaven was open and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention Okay, so last week in verse 19, we talked about Herod the Tetrarch. I told you last week what a Tetrarch was. If you were not here, I will tell you now. A Tetrarch is one who holds an imperial office. So this Herod we talked about last week was Herod Antipas. He was a Tetrarch of Galilee. Herod Antipas was on a road trip to Rome. He visited his half-brother, Herod Philip. Herod Philip married his half-brother's daughter, Herodias. While 
Herod Antipas was in Rome visiting Herod Philip, he starts to hit on Herodias, which again is his half-brother's wife, and actually she is also his half-niece. Don't ask. I told you all this was Jerry Springer stuff in the Herod family. And then he steals her away from his half-brother, and he comes back to his jurisdiction, and he decides to leave his wife. So John the Baptist, listen, he knew about all of this sin. We're not calling it an affair. We are calling it sin. John knew about this sin, and he rebuked Herod Antipas. Now, John, listen, he could have kept his mouth shut, and lived. You know that he went to prison. You know that he was later beheaded. He could have kept his mouth shut and lived. But what we learned last week, if you were with us, we talked about how the word of God came to him, which tells us the word of God was more precious to John than his life itself. John, listen, would rather be persecuted and have fellowship with God than to be free and comfortable. Think about that. John had enough guts. Do you understand? You don't look at the Herods, any of them, and call them sinners and rebuke them. You don't do that. John was bold enough to do just that. John had enough guts to go on CNN and point to the country and point to the camera and say, you are in adultery and you are in sin. And would to God that Pastor Rodney, someday y'all pray for me. Because if God ever gives me the opportunity to have an audience like Larry King had, Millions and millions and tens of millions of people looking that if Larry King were to ask Pastor Rodney, because we've seen it, if you haven't seen it, you've heard about it, there have been some great influential men who have sat across that desk with Larry King, and Larry King has looked them in the face. Are you listening? Larry King has looked them in the face and said, you mean to tell me? That if you do not believe in Jesus Christ, if you do not give your life to Jesus Christ, Larry King said this, if you do not give, you mean to tell me the Muslims, the Hindus, all good people, great people, Pakistanis, whoever they might be in the world, if they don't put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ, you mean he's asked preachers, very, very famous, influential preachers. I ain't going to tell you who they are. Some of y'all like, tell me, who is it? <laughs> who, what's their name, Pastor? What's their name? What's their name, Pastor? I'm not going to tell you who they are. You know who they are. If you don't know, Google it. Look right across the desk. Look right in their face. These guys have churches with 10, 20, 30, 40,000 people showing up and saying, you mean to tell me if they don't believe in Jesus, then they're going to hell. And that preacher would sit there and say everything but answer the question. Huh? That's me. That's what I said. Imagine that. I don't mean to tell you anything. 
I didn't write the B-I-B-L-E. God did. I didn't tell you anything. Listen, if I had it my way, every single person would go to heaven because I love people. Pastor Rodney is a good person. (laughs) I love people. And if I had it my way, everybody would go to heaven. And if I had it my way, everybody would go to heaven the way they choose to get there. But I did not make the rules. I did not write the Bible. Don't shoot the messenger. Yes, I'm telling you, Larry King, if you don't believe in Jesus and you don't believe in the shed blood of Christ, that his blood was sacrificed for the sins of men. And without his blood, you cannot be cleansed from your sin. And if you seek to go any other way, you are a thief and a robber and you will go to hell. Yes, I said it. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands like you mean it. Yes, I said it. Oh, oh my God, you said the H word. Yeah, I said it. Hell. Well, some of y'all caught up on, oh, the pastor cussing. I'm not cussing. I'm just telling you that if we are given the opportunity to share the gospel in boldness, in meekness and in love and in grace, then you are to share the truth of the gospel. John did that. It cost him prison. It cost him his head, but he did it. And that's what we need to do. We need to be bold witnesses for Jesus. Well, look at this. Look at verse 21. Are you looking at it? Look at verse 21. Now, before John was put in prison, all the people were baptized. And lastly, Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. Give me your attention. Tell you something about the Jordan. Been to Israel. A couple of y'all, if you've been to Israel, you know this. The Jordan River is nasty. It's disgusting. When you walk out, anybody been to Israel? Anybody, just anybody been? Okay, you know. Am I right? I'm not lying, and you know. I got a witness. Two or three witnesses, every word be established. <laughs> Tina, you my witness. You didn't, well, it was, well, it was, sweetie. <laughs> it was disgusting. I'm the pastor. I said it was. <laughs> I've been knowing them for 11, 12 years. And it is, I mean, the water, when you get in it, the bottom of it is just, I mean, when you get, you sink into it when you're walking. It's murky. It's got fish coming around you. It's got ducks floating by you. It's nasty. I th- Tina, I'm sorry. I think I should have got you for a witness. You're a bad witness in court. <laughs> Anybody else? <laughs> But it's nasty. Now, I have a phobia. I'm going to have to be honest. I'm in church. I have a phobia. And I have what is called hygiptophobia. Hygiptophobia means you have a fear of crossing bridges. Just yesterday, I told you guys I went to Emerald Isle. If y'all been to Emerald Isle, you know. I think that is the longest, biggest bridge in the world. 
And I mean, I'm, I'm serious. I started sweating. I start, my hands start sweating. Anybody else? My hands, so you got, you got you. My hands start, oh, you too? Any, anybody else? You want to stand and give testimony? No, just kidding. You t- I'm serious. I'm like really, really, cre- it just creeps me out. My heart started, I have my driver with me and I have my son with me. And wherever we're crossing bridges, I usually take my son wherever I go if I'm speaking at a conference. And yesterday we're crossing, uh, actually Friday we're crossing the bridge, and yesterday we're crossing the bridge, and uh, I, I just can't do it. I mean, I roll the windows up, my heart starts racing, my hands start sweating. Roddy Jr. was sitting in the back. I said, I said hold daddy's hand. <laughs> you, hold daddy. So he's sitting in the back. You know him, you big Roddy, he just lumbers like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Rodney holding daddy's hand. I'm like, hold daddy's hand tighter. Hold daddy's hand. I'm like, I have a phobia. I really do. My wife has a phobia. Her phobia is chickens. Not the kind that's grilled on the plate, but the kind that are alive and walking around. I will tell you something. If we were in this room, right, all of us, and a chicken walked across near her, Elvira would eject out of her seat because she has a phobia about birds, about and just any kind of bird, she just gets a phobia. So we're in Israel, and she also has a phobia about dirty stuff. She just, she just can't handle it. And, and a hotel, anybody been traveling with Elvira, you know. She walks in the hotel, pulling back the sheets, pulls out the big blue light. She starts scanning the place. I'm like, what are you doing? She's scanning the place, pulling back the sheets, checking for hair. She's a, she's a real phobia. So she's a phobia for chickens as well. So we're in Israel and we're at the Jordan River. And how odd it was because my pastor from Greece, New York, I see him in Israel at the Jordan River. He brings one of his groups to Israel. I'm pastor Bob, Bob Chapel. He brings one of his groups. I bring one of my groups and we, we, we meet there and I see him. Bob, what are you doing here? He goes, what are you doing here? I go, we're doing a tour. So are we. So Elvira says, honey, I want you to baptize me in the Jordan. And I look, I say, you sure? <laughs> She said, yeah, I want, I want you baptized. She said, honey, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. I want you baptized me in the Jordan. So she comes out there. I said, I tell Pastor Bob, he's our pastor. I said, well, come on out there with me. We're going to take her down together. So we, we're in the water, and I mean, we were standing like this, and Elvira didn't see it. But I said to her, I, I said to Pastor Bob, I said, Pastor, I said, I said duck at 3 o'clock. <laughs> Now, if I didn't see it, I said, duck at 3 o'clock. Because he, he knows, too. She got a phobia. So then I, I was like, I got to do something. So I took her down. I'm telling you, I took her down slow. And I held her down long. Because I'm just loving on my wife, y'all. I just didn't want her to see the duck. So I took her down in the name of the Father. And she was under there doing this. I'm in the name of the Father. 
<laughs> and I bring her up. And just as I was bringing her up, the duck went by. And the duck went this way. I turned her that way and said, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And she was like, she was, she was like, I said, and, and then I, I told her, actually, when we got back to the U.S., I told her, I said, honey, I said, there was a duck going right by your head. Let me tell you, if Elvira would have saw that duck, she would have drowned us all. Because she, she would have just went crazy. Because the Jordan River, you know, and when we baptize here, it's very interesting because we go to Pullum Park, nice, clean water, nice, clean pool. Everything is nice. But in Israel, it wasn't like that. To be baptized in Israel was a real statement of your faith. And it took effort on your part. And by the way, baptism was the altar call in the Bible. You know, you hear people say, well, and people ask me all the time, Pastor, how come you don't have altar calls? I do have altar calls. I had them on Easter. You know that. You were here. And I do have altar calls as I feel the Lord is leading me to do that. I don't do it just because we're supposed to do it. I don't do anything like that. But we got to understand that in the Bible, the altar call was the baptism. It was that place where you are professing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior publicly. And see, here we go to a nice little Pullum Park and we baptize people and everything is nice and clean. But in Israel, it wasn't like that. Now, John the Bee is baptizing. And while notice in tw- verse 21, while look at, look at it, while Jesus was in the water, note this, did you get it? Hit the heavens, he prayed, the heavens open, which I wonder what that looked like. And that was awesome. That had to be awesome. And then the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily shape like a what? Ah, there you go. And then a voice came from heaven, and God the Father said, what did he say, saints? This is my beloved son. What did he say, saints? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, the interesting thing is, listen, we have a snapshot here of the Trinity. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have the Father speaking from heaven. We have the Son standing in the waters of the Jordan, and we have the Spirit descending like a dove. We have the Trinity. Now, in case you don't know this, you are a Trinitarian. That means that you believe that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. Can we understand this? No. Any pastor, preacher, teacher, or whomever will stand in the pulpit and tell you that they understand the Trinity, they're wrong. They don't. We don't understand the Trinity, and at the same time, it doesn't make it any less true just because we don't understand it. I had a guy tell me one time, I won't become a Christian because I can't understand the Trinity. I'm like, well, then you're never going to become a Christian. Not only that, but that's just stupid. You understand everything about electricity? No, but it don't stop you from turning on lights, does it? I don't know nothing about a car. I don't know anything. I had friends try to teach me how to change oil. I, don't even, I can't get it. I just don't get it. I don't get it. 
I just can't, I can't, I don't understand it. They, te- they tell me over and over, this works like this, this works like, some of y'all guys, y'all cars, y'all know, I don't know about a car. But it didn't stop me from driving to church this morning. There's many things that we don't understand, and yet we take advantage of them. We don't understand the Trinity, and yet it doesn't make it any less true. The word Trinity is not even in the Bible, Pastor Rodney. And your point is, neither is the word rapture. Word rapture is not in the Bible either, but I still believe that we're going to be gone in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Somebody better clap their hands and say amen, would you? I still believe that. We have the word harpazo. The word harpazo in the Greek language means to be caught up. It actually literally means to be violently snatched away. That's what it means. We don't have the word rapture. We have the word harpazo. We're going to be violently snatched away. There are many things that we don't understand about God. And the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 29, 29, just side note, listen, the secret things belong to the Lord. There's a lot of things we don't understand about God. But isn't that the very thing that makes him God? Isn't that the very thing that makes him God? If you understood everything about everything, then why don't you be God? But the fact is, what makes God God is that he knows everything. And that he knows some stuff that he hasn't told you. Which keeps him in the position of sovereignty and omnipotence and omniscient. That means he knows everything. Because he is God. And that's the reason I worship him. Because he is God. The things that I don't understand about him are the very reason why I worship him. So before we move on, I want you to notice something here. God the Father, notice he says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Saints, if you're taking notes, you write this down. In the Greek language, in the Greek tense actually, It would read, this is my beloved son in whom I'm already well pleased. Now, isn't that interesting? And keep in mind, Jesus hasn't done a miracle. He hasn't preached a sermon. He's had no public ministry yet. So far, Jesus has spent 30 years at home, hanging out in a carpenter's shop. Somewhere along the line, Joseph died and Jesus took over the family business. And I'm confident that Jesus did good business. I'm sure he never overcharged people. He never jacked up the prices. He never made a phony bill when he made a bench or he made a dinner table or some chairs for someone. Jesus did straight business. Businessmen, do you do straight business? Christians should be the ones who do business more honest than anyone. Christians should be the ones, businessmen, I'm talking to you, listen. We should be the ones who use the best products and do the best quality work. Y'all agree with that? We should be. You know, if you build something and you're a builder, got a good friend of mine, he's he's a carpenter. He does great work, beautiful work. And he does great work, and he glorifies the Lord. I remember telling him, he did a little unit in my bathroom, Madeline. I told him, I said, that's beautiful. So nice. Custom work. He said, man, God gave me the gift. God gave me the skill. I like that. Whatever you do, 
you glorify God with it. And you do your best. And you do your best. Isn't that right? And it's a sad thing when you hear about the Christians who didn't do their best. And Christians going to court. I've, y'all, okay. All right, I, I like Judge Mathis, okay? Now, I'm going to watch me some Judge Mathis, all right? I'm, I like Judge Mathis. And you see, yeah, people get on there, they, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. And they're doing bad business. That's not good for the kingdom. That's not good for the kingdom. Christians should do the best work. We shouldn't see Christians in court. Christians should do the best work. You use products that are good. Your carpenter and your shellac and your stain, use the best polyurethane so you can give glory to the kingdom. And people say, what a great job you did. And you say, you know what? It's God. God did it. What do you mean God did it? And you got an opportunity to witness. You got an opportunity to share the gospel. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.